This is LBC with Nick Abbott. Call 0345 6060 973. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. More of your thoughts to come about your experience of dry January and um, what it's been like swapping alcohol for low or no alcohol substitutes and whether it feels a bit weird going to the pub and not uh, partaking of the very thing that it was set up to provide. Uh, but first, let's go to America and talk to our US correspondent, Simon Marks. Hello, Simon. Evening, Nick. Now, let's start with uh, Jordan. Uh, Joe Biden vowed to respond to this uh, drone strike that killed three US service members. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, I mean, Joe Biden is in a very invidious position uh, tonight here in the United States. I'm actually in South Carolina at the moment, uh, and that is where the president traveled earlier today. He was hoping to engage in a series of campaign events that were was designed uh, to gin up the black vote here in South Carolina and in other parts of the country, uh, because Joe Biden needs African-Americans to become more enthused about him and to turn out... Uh, uh, on his side in this November's presidential uh, election and also in the primary contests that are very much underway uh, here in South Carolina and soon to get underway in a host of other states. But he got diverted today by that awful news, the loss of uh, the lives of three U.S. service personnel uh, in Jordan targeted by what the United States claims was uh, an Iran-orchestrated drone attack. Uh, there were also uh, several American service personnel badly injured in that drone strike, which is reported to have caused traumatic brain injuries for a number of additional U.S. Uh, forces members. Uh, and Joe Biden is under pressure tonight to respond. He says that the United States will respond, uh, although he's not detailed precisely what level of retaliation he has in mind. But he's got hawkish Republicans on Capitol Hill uh, urging him to strike targets in Iran itself. But of course, the great fear about that is that a situation in the Middle East that has already seen uh, the conflict widened with the United States and Britain coming together to uh, attack those uh, Houthi rebels positions in Yemen that have been used to launch attacks against merchant vessels in the Red Sea. Iran perceived as being behind that. Now Iran perceived as being behind this deadly strike on U.S. forces in Jordan. And for Joe Biden, this is a very dangerous moment because determined, de determinant on the level of retaliation that he launches will be potentially uh, the spiralling of this conflict if Iran chooses to up the ante further. So I think lots of conversations underway tonight here between the president, his defence secretary, his national security team, as he decides how to respond to this. He has to respond. Three dead American service personnel is going to lead to political pressure from across the spectrum on the president to do something. And it's all uh, because of a reaction to what Israel is doing in Gaza. And uh, Biden has supported Israel up to a certain point. But it appears that his uh, patience is running out with Netanyahu. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a report here tonight that the United States is considering slowing the provision of fresh arms supplies to Israel, although the Biden administration is uh, pushing back against that published report. But, you know, I mean, this issue of the Middle East, while it feels like a very long way away from South Carolina, is actually becoming a domestic political issue here in South Carolina and in a number of other states. There are black pastors all across this state who are putting pressure on the White House to call for a permanent ceasefire in Gaza, which is something that uh, President Biden is absolutely loath to do. But the uh, images from the Gaza Strip have struck a chord, particularly uh, with African-American voters in America's South, who say they are appalled by the level of violence that has been inflicted against the civilian population in Gaza by the Israelis. That's putting mounting pressure on President Biden. But equally, he's got to worry about Jewish American voters who support him and who may move away from him if he distances himself too far from the government of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. So he's in a really difficult position on this issue of the Middle East. It is depressing his approval ratings. You've got Arab American voters in states like Michigan saying that they will never turn out and back him again. You've got African Americans, as I was saying, here in South Carolina and other states putting pressure on him to call for a permanent ceasefire. Uh, it is a, a really invidious array of difficulties that he faces. And now this question of what is he going to do if this conflict con continues to spiral beyond Gaza and Israel, which, which clearly it is already doing. He does need the African-American vote. And there, there was an interesting article in the Washington Post, uh, which was headlined, um, uh, Black Voters Say, What Has Biden Ever Done For Me? Uh, implying that they're more likely to vote for Trump now. Uh, Mr. Uh, good People on Both Sides. That seems an extraordinary development. <sighs> Well, it is an extraordinary development. You've got 22%, I think, of African-Americans saying that they would consider voting for President Trump in the upcoming election, which is a record number. Uh, never has any Republican presidential candidate succeeded in mobilizing uh, that kind of support from the uh, black American community. I will say that here, the Biden uh, campaign is hitting very hard. There's an advertisement in the, I'm in the city of Charleston tonight, there's an advertisement in the Charleston City paper uh, in which uh, President Biden and Kamala Harris are urging voters uh, to get out and back them in the primary contest that's underway here. And they make the case in this advertisement saying that the Biden-Harris administration is, and it is an italicized is, is already delivering. And they point to improved uh, judicial equity for African Americans, improved financing that's available for uh, black-owned businesses across the South. They point to the appointment of uh, Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson, the first African American justice on the uh, U.S. the first African American woman justice on the U.S. Supreme Court, placed there, of course, uh, by Joe Biden within the few uh, the last few months. So, so they are certainly making the case here that they have delivered for the African American community. But in that advertisement, with that italicized uh, headline, they're also conceding that African American voters tell pollsters they just don't feel the improvements uh, that President Biden says they ought to be feeling and enjoying. Yes, well, you could say the same for... <coughs> 
you could say the same for Americans in general because uh, the economy is going great guns. Since 2020, the United States has powered through the pandemic. They, they, got the, they had the highest inflation in 40 years and the fallout from two foreign wars. Now they're posting faster annual growth than last year. Uh, the annual inflation over the second half of last year fell back to 2%, which other countries can only dream of. Uh, the economy grew by 3%. Wages grew by about 3%, where most other countries in the Group 7 uh, democracies, they saw a decline. So by all measures, the American economy is charging ahead, and yet people say they don't feel it. Yeah, and the big headline here of the last week, of course, is the realization that the United States is absolutely not going into recession. We can now say unequivocally that the United States under Joe Biden and the uh, interest rate policies of the U.S. Federal Reserve uh, has succeeded in avoiding two consecutive negative quarters of uh, GDP growth, GDP contraction in other words, uh, that would traditionally be the definition uh, of a recessionary economy. We're past that now. So uh, the Wall Street Journal and other newspapers this week have been uh, raising the question of, you know, why were so many economists wrong in the latter stages of last year when they confidently predicted that the country was going to go into the recession that Joe Biden and the White House absolutely insisted uh, uh, they were going to avoid. Well, they did avoid it. And I think that the challenge for President Biden in the weeks and months ahead in states like this one and other battleground states all over the United States is going to be to find the language that successfully inspires grassroots Democrats from that coalition of people that elected him back in 2020. African-Americans, uh, Latino voters, young voters, particularly uh, women voters in America's suburbs. He's got to find the language that infuses them and inspires them about the state of the economy rather than showing up at these rallies and talking in fairly uninspiring terms about Bidenomics. I mean, there are various strategists here on the uh, Democratic side say he just needs to stop using that word because the word itself just turns people off. Don't use it again. Talk in really concrete terms about the kind of uh, accomplishments that he's notched up. Uh, in human terms, you know, this idea that business is beginning to thrive again, that, you know, certainly in this town, I mean, the restaurants are absolutely packed out. The tourists are back. You know, the, 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 the city is teeming with business. He needs to get that message across. Yeah, he's not one for boasting, but I know a man who is, and uh, <laughs> that, that's Donald Trump. Now, you're in South Carolina, and that is the state where Nikki Haley who is the only person who is left to uh, compete with Donald Trump in the Republican primaries. And she is really uh, uh, making him very irate. Donald Trump does not like strong women standing up to him. So uh, what's the latest yeah. there? Well, I mean, he's absolutely furious that she's staying in the race. He was hoping that after he uh, uh, vanquished her, and he did, uh, I mean, he trounced her uh, in New Hampshire last week, that she would bow to the inevitable and uh, walk away from the contest, which obviously she has decided not uh, to do, and that infuriated him. So he made an extremely intemperate set of remarks on Tuesday night at what should have been the big moment when he uh, not only proclaimed victory in New Hampshire, but, you know, portrayed himself as above the fray, the man not going to waste his time with Nikki Haley, but instead take the fight to Joe Biden. Instead, he made this... 
uh, series of comments. I mean, he poked fun at what she was wearing. He raised questions uh, about why she was an imposter. She'd come to the stage and claimed she'd won when, in fact, she'd lost. It was all typical Trump. And, you know, I think it really raised the question of the extent to which he is going to be able or not going to be able to remain disciplined on the campaign trail. We had seen in Iowa and in New Hampshire a level of discipline, discipline and control by Donald Trump that's not characteristic of him. That all disappeared on Tuesday night and in the days since Tuesday. This is the state where Nikki Haley is going to make her, I think, last stand. It votes the Republican primary on, I think, February the 23rd or February the 24th. It's her home state. Now, at the moment, Donald Trump is 40 percentage points ahead of her here. I will be amazed if that's still the case on the eve of the primary. I'll be amazed if she really wants to go down to a total drubbing here. But she's got the best part of a month to close the gap. And it's that lack of discipline on the part of Donald Trump, him being sort of goaded by her talking about his mental acuity and these, uh, you know, these long defences of his mental acuity tests. He was mm. talking about them again yeah. uh, a couple of nights ago about, you know, how his, his uncle was the longest serving <laughs> tenured professor at MIT and yeah. it's all due to the great genes in the family that his brain, Donald Trump's brain is sharp as a trap. I mean, it's it's all laughable and ludicrous, and, and that's the kind of thing that runs the risk of giving Nikki Haley an opportunity uh, to drive up her levels of support here. Now, I was uh, looking at a New York Times poll, and uh, they were uh, asking Trump supporters whether they would still uh, vote for him, whether he should, Trump should be the Republican nominee if he is found guilty in one of his pending legal trials. There's 91 charges against him, outstanding, yeah. is that right? Well, it seems vanishingly unlikely yeah, he's going to get away with all of them. So, um, is it possible that Donald Trump might not actually be the Republican nominee after the end of this? Well, I think it's unlikely he won't be the Republican nominee, but it is certainly possible, because I just don't think that those trials are going to complete between now and the moment at which he becomes the Republican Party's nominee. Uh, but there's no question that that New York Times poll is the latest in a series that suggests that the one thing that could undo his bid for the presidency if he is, if he is convicted of criminal charges. I mean, he was already had a terrible loss in court last week in New York in the civil lawsuit, the defamation lawsuit brought against him by the writer E. Jean Carroll. Yeah. He's got to pay her $83 million in compensation for the awful and false things that he said about her. But that that's not a criminal case. The criminal cases are the ones that the Department of Justice are bringing against election interference over his alleged mishandling of classified documents and, of course, the case in Georgia about election interference in that state. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump's uh, strategy is to delay and obfuscate and throw as many legal motions in the works as possible in an effort to make sure that none of those cases comes to trial this side of November. He might be successful in the federal cases. I think Georgia is another matter, although uh, the uh, prosecutor there, Fannie Willis, has got all sorts of difficulties of her own, the, uh, the uh, district attorney, because it's emerged that she uh, has been involved in an improper relationship with one of the prosecutors that has brought the case against Trump and his co-conspirators. So his strategy is to run out the clock. If he fails in that strategy, there is a strong possibility that he will be convicted. 
in at least one of those cases. And the polls suggest that could be the beginning of his undoing. But we've seen polls that have made suggestions about the beginning of the end for Donald Trump in the past, and they've all proved to be wrong. We will wait and see what happens when these developments uh, advance and see if they truly uh, take a toll on his ability uh, to mount uh, a possibly successful quest to get his old job back. Yeah, and just finally, I mean, you were talking about his uh, inability to um, you know, control himself. And uh, by that um, method, he changed a $5 million fine into an $88.3 yes. million fine, if you add the two together. Is he actually going to pay her $83.3 million, or is he going to get out of it? Well... He's not going to pay her for a very long while because he will, of course, appeal all of that and that will be tied up in the courts for many months to come and, you know, he can carry on appealing and appealing and appealing until he runs out of legal road. Uh, but there is ever, I mean, it, it is notable that he has stopped defaming her. Uh, in his statement after that $83 million judgment, yeah. which, of course, was, as you say, caused entirely by his own unnecessary loose lips after the original $5 million judgment, mm. it was notable that while he rejected the verdict, he deliberately steered clear of taking another crack at her. And uh, he might have got tired of millions and millions of dollars <laughs> of judgments uh, against her in her favour, but it'll be a very long while before she sees that cash. Very good to talk to you, Simon. Remember, man, woman, person, camera, TV, if you get it in order, you get extra points. Extra points. Extra Cheers, points Nick. for getting it in order. Thanks a lot, Simon. Simon Marks, LBC's Washington correspondent.